Hi everyone and welcome to another sauntering podcast with me, Paul White. I'm coming to you from the beautiful town of Weymouth in Dorset by the sparkling blue sea. It never rains, it's always sunny. This podcast began during lockdown. We galloped through or sauntered through many, many books of the Bible now. I'm a disciple of Jesus and my job is to encourage you and encourage other people to walk with him. I apologise for an early start today. If you were hoping to join me live at 8.30, I have a really early start today, so I'm trying to get it done because I want to keep moving. This is so important, this stuff. And so I'm really excited. You're going to be listening to me some point later today, maybe later in the week, um, because this is not me. This is actually, we're not interested in me. We're interested in what God has to say through this incredible book. and. It's just such a beauty. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask you to speak to us today. We ask you to come and fill our homes and fill our day with your lovely presence. And Lord, let us be so aware of you and conscious of you in everything we do today. And let these words be in our hearts. And as we meditate on them and reflect on them, let them do us good and bring about those changes you want to see. So here we go. We're in um, 1 Peter chapter three and the second part and we finished on do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling interesting word isn't it but on the contrary bless reviling just means like kind of getting angry and saying lots of kind of derogatory kind of things to each other but on the contrary bless for to this you were called, that you might inherit a blessing. Good morning, Yana and Ruslan. Great to see you guys. And so he's saying, actually, you were put on the earth to bless, not just to be a blessing, but to bless, to be like a priest and speak words of blessing into people's lives, to change their lives, to change their situations by speaking blessing. Now, if you read through the Old Testament, we can see how the blessings of the fathers on their children actually were borne out in their lives. And there is it's an interesting dynamic because it's kind of prophetic, but it's speaking out of the goodness of God and the overflow of God's goodness and his spirit in our hearts. But those words become creative and have power. And you might have heard people talking about making a declaration. Well, a blessing is that kind of thing is it's speaking into somebody is speaking a kind of creative word into somebody's life or a situation because we see from a heavenly perspective and we're not looking at that person from a natural perspective but from God's perspective and it's the most profound thing and actually God's intention is that our mouths will be the vehicle for for bringing that creative power of heaven into a situation on the earth i don't know why but somehow and james touches on it doesn't he? he says the tongue is such a small member of the body and yet how powerful what it can do what it can do for bad 
what it can do for good. Many of us grow up living under a kind of curse, self-perpetuating curse, where people have spoken negatively over us. And we can still remember those negative, critical things people said to us um, when we were growing up. But I can still remember something that my Sunday school teacher said to me when I was probably about two or three, because she was talking about Paul the Apostle. And I said, oh, my name's Paul. You can imagine a little little toddler saying, oh, my name's Paul. And she said, yes, and I'm sure your mum and dad wanted you to be a man of God like Paul in the Bible. And I can still remember that. I'm old. I can still remember what someone said to me when I was, let's say, three. Isn't that incredible that that word has still got power in my life and I still aspire to be a man of God, at least worthy to read from the Apostle Paul and speak about this incredible Jesus that Paul represented. Anyway, so here we go. So the, on this theme then, verse 10, he says, For whoever desires to love life and see good days, and I think that's probably most of us, whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him or let's say let him or her, let's be fair, let him or her turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Come on, seek peace and pursue it. If you had one verse to remember for the rest of your life, what a great verse. Seek peace and pursue it. Paul says somewhere, let the peace of God rule in your heart. When we're in a place of peace and rest, we can hear from God. We can be led by the Spirit when we're stressed and agitated and all. Oh, man. And when there's discord and unpeace in our relationships, it's, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. And let's, anyway, I'm going to comment on this properly in a second. Then verse 12, he says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, this is an incredible quote from Psalm 34. It's an absolute beauty and it would be a good one to remember. It'd be a good one to stick on your fridge, fridge magnet. Whoever desires to love God and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. We're um, in Proverbs, it says the from the fruit of a man's lips or a woman's lips, his life is filled with good things. Actually, we reap what we sow with our lips. It's incredible. I don't think we understand the power of the spoken word. And when we say, oh, I'm just so tired. Oh, I'm so I'm so sick of this. I'm so fed up with that. I'm so this or that. The English are brilliant at complaining. If complaining was an Olympic sport, the English would win, <laughs> especially especially from certain parts of the country. Well, I'm not going to mention by name, but it is a, it's like a kind of national pastime, complaining. We complain about the government. We complain about the weather. Good morning, Ingrid. We complain about this. We complain about it's too hot. It's too cold. Oh, it's too wet. It always rains in England and the weather changes. We live on an island in the middle of the Atlantic. Of course, the weather's going to change. Uh, but 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 can you see, 
I'm sick of this. What are we doing? We're, we're speaking sickness into our body. We're like saying, oh, I'm sick. No, I'm not sick. <laughs> I'm not sick. People say, how are you? We say, I'm good. Let's keep that kind of tone throughout the day. I was, I asked my little grandson, he was looking a bit flaky um, yesterday. I said, how are you, um, day before, how are you doing, George? And he, I said, you don't look very well. He said, no, I'm fine, but I'm poorly. <laughs> and I really like that. I'm fine, but I'm poorly. I'm just, I've got a few symptoms I'm not happy with, but I'm actually fine. Don't worry. Whoever, so let's let's get this into our hearts and into our minds that we can speak a blessing over ourselves. We can speak a blessing over the environment we live in, over our family. Let's never tell our kids, I'm fed up with this. I'm fed up with that. I'm sick and tired of this. Let's not speak that horrid stuff over ourselves. And it gets worse. We can go much worse, can't we? We can say, oh, I wish you were never born. We can hear that stuff. And it's like a... Oh, it's like a dagger to the heart that keeps um, hurting us throughout the days of our life. So let's keep our tongue from evil, our lips from speaking deceit. That means we're not lying. We're not duplicitous. We don't have one thing in our hearts and say another thing, but we allow our hearts and our mouths to speak with integrity and we speak the truth in love and all that kind of thing. So let's let him or her turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. That was one of our Sunday school memory verses. Seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord, listen to this, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. When God turns his face towards us, it's to bless us. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. If his eyes are on us, it's his face is turned towards us, isn't it? He's looking at us to bless us and his ears are open to their prayer. Wow, who wants God's ears to be open? We just heard, didn't we, yesterday, that if we don't treat our wives properly, men, husbands, God won't listen to our prayers. Actually, I don't think he listens to our prayers if we treat anyone badly, whether it be our wife or one of our children, one of our colleagues at work or somebody, you know, the traffic warden. I mentioned the poor traffic warden, the parking person at the car park. How we treat people, we if if, if our hearts, if, if we're treating people meanly, God's ears go deaf to our prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. There you go. Verse 13. Now, what harm is there Sorry, what is, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no, so actually this is precisely what Peter was talking about in chapter two. He was saying Jesus suffered for stuff he, he wasn't guilty of. In fact, all the suffering that fell on Jesus was undeserved. He was doing it for you and me. And he's saying, actually, if you should suffer for righteousness sake, like Jesus did, you know, this is you're going to be blessed. You will be blessed. Have no fear of them. That I, I guess the ones bringing that suffering on us. But in your hearts, honour Christ the Lord as holy. Set apart Christ the Lord as holy. Make him your goal your your focus set him apart that's who we're 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 living for that we're we're not just here as kind of victims of of circumstance even my dear friends in ukraine you guys 
are not victims. You are chosen and called by God to bless and be a blessing on the face of the earth. And I want to speak that over you today. You still have a massive role to play in the destiny of the earth, in the future of the earth. And God is watching over you and listening to your cry. And, and you need to still, the same as us in England, follow these clear instructions from the Apostle Peter and God's blessing and faces towards you. So he says, in your hearts, honour Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks you <clears throat> for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behaviour in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. Let's just pick up this thought. This, it, he says, always be prepared to give, make a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. That, that word there, um, defence, is apologia, which is where we get the term apologetics. So in Greek, apologia, apologising is not saying, oh, I'm really sorry. The original sense of the Greek word was to make a defence for our beliefs. And so to put a, um, forward a, an apologetic. So if we're arguing a case, we're arguing, it's called apologetics. And there are theologians and preachers and stuff who do that particularly well, and they would be called apologetics. They're not sorry for what they believe. They're just explaining it in a way where people can understand it and putting it into a rational kind of thought process. And so he, Peter is saying, always, always be ready. Always have that at your disposal. Just be ready to, to bring these things out um, when someone asks you. And do you know what? People ask us in different ways. They say, oh, what were you doing at the weekend? And, and we say, oh, yeah, I met some friends. Oh, I did some blah. And we don't talk about Jesus. We don't talk about, oh, do you know what? I was in church and it was just phenomenal, actually. I was in a prayer meeting yesterday with a bunch of old people. There were some younger ones as well, like me. Oh, also old. Um, there was younger ones than me there. But it was just incredible. It's absolutely bonkers. The Holy Spirit came and these old people were behaving like children. It was just magnificent. And one lady came up to me afterwards. She said, oh, I so needed that. I was so dry. Well, do you know what? That is such a good thing to be able to talk about. Um, and you know what? Our friends are interested. If we would dare to trust them with it, we don't have to go on about it. We just say, oh, I was in the most crazy prayer meeting you've ever seen yesterday. And they'd be like, oh, prayer meeting? Crazy. What happened then? What was crazy about it? And then you can start to say, well, do you know what? The Holy Spirit came. What? Who's the Holy Spirit? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you about my best friend. Do you know what I mean? But he says, do it with gentleness and respect. And so many Christians get bossy and dogmatic the minute they start to talk about their faith. That's why people don't want to hear about it. One of the reasons. Because Christians are unable, it seems, some are, to talk about Jesus without it getting like being hit with a hammer. We need to do it with gentleness. Everyone say with me, gentleness, gentleness. One of the things about 
working with iron and steel, because I used to be a blacksmith, is you do everything with a lot of force because iron and steel, are, number one, it's heavy. Number two, it doesn't want to do what you want it to do. It's resistant. It's a resistant material. It needs a good whack with a hammer or a good shove. Just even to move something you've been making needs a lot of strength just to shift it because it, the more things you put together and assemble, the heavier it gets. And so we tend to do everything a little bit. I used to break stuff all the time when I was um, working at the forge because I'd come home and treat the kitchen utensils or the furniture or the stuff in the house in the same kind of way. And you can do it with each other and, you know, push and shove a bit too much. And, oh, I had to learn how to be gentle with, <laughs> with domestic stuff and not break it. Domestic tools are not like um, blacksmith's tools. They break. And so, uh, but he's, he's saying do things with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience. So the way we speak to people, we're always courteous. So when they're, when they're like looking like it's time out, let's stop. If, they, if their eyes are glazing over and you think, nah, they've checked out of this conversation, let's just stop, change the subject, go on to something else. I was with a bunch of um, my Afghan friends on Sunday and we were starting to talk about church and stuff. And, and that was interesting. It was very much in the outer kind of courts. We weren't really talking much about Jesus, but then the subject changed and we were on to the Kings of England and Parliament and all this kind of thing. And that's fine. The conversation's changed. That's okay. We can come back to this another day. Do you know what I mean? We don't have to press home the point of, oh, you need to receive Jesus. We, you know, we, we can, we can let the Holy Spirit do the heavy lifting. Let him do the thing that convinces people's heart because that's, that's where the change, that's, that's when it's real. When someone's, born again by the Spirit of God, not by persuasion and browbeating from some overzealous Christian. However, the opposite is also true, that if we don't say anything, how will people know? How will people know about Jesus if we don't tell them, if we don't drop some breadcrumbs and just scatter his name around a bit and tell, the, tell some good stories, tell about a few miracles you've seen, because they're brilliant. Right, verse 16, having a good conscience, Having a good conscience. If we're if we're full of guilt and stuff because of things we're doing, because of our other stuff that's going on, and we're maybe doing some dishonest things, oh man, forget it. No one's going to listen because we haven't got any conviction about us about our story. So anyway, and he wants us as well, uh, the Lord, to be able to stand up to scrutiny. So when people do want to find fault with us and do want to bring us down, which they may do because the devil doesn't like the message of Jesus. So there will be people who are motivated to bring us down and undermine what we're saying in all kinds of ways. He says, so when you are slandered, those who revile your good behaviour in Christ may be put to shame. And then he goes on to say again, for it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. So if we get a if we get a pulled over by the police for speeding, fine, we deserve it. Put our hands up, say, yes, officer, I was speeding. I am sorry. I shouldn't have done that. That was breaking the law. Give me a fine. Hit me with it, baby, because I am, you know, I deserve this. But let's not get 
suffering for doing evil, rather for being known as Jesus' disciples. For when for Christ also suffered once for sins, verse 18, the righteous for the unrighteous. Hi, babe. Um, my wife, my beautiful wife is watching. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the spirit in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. And we're about to go into uncharted territory here because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Right, let's hold that thought. So this is the, this is the bit that's clear. For Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, all clear, lovely and clear, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Right, hold that thought. That is beautifully clear. Christ once suffered. He only did it once. He only needed to do it once. It's done. He has suffered the righteous for the unrighteous, us being the unrighteous, him being the righteous, that he might bring us to God. So he restores us into relationship with God. Being put to death in the flesh. We know his physical body was put to death. It was crucified on the cross, but being made alive in the spirit. So the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. And this is borne out in other, particularly in the book of Hebrews, goes into this really well. This is the central foundation truth of the gospel. Now Peter leaps off the diving board into the complete unknown and he says, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Mm. <laughs> which spirits are these? And because they formerly did not obey. Well, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah. So the Bible tells us that Noah preached for a hundred years while he was building the ark. And people didn't listen. They didn't respond. And in the end, only him and his family were saved. That was the eight people here he's talking about. So... And they were brought safely through water. Now, theologians and commentators disagree wildly on this one about what it means. And even people like Martin Luther, a great famous theologian from the past, the Reformation, he had no idea what it meant. And actually, I have no idea either. And I'm not even going to get into speculating because <laughs> it just scrambles my brain. Whether Jesus, some people say, oh, Jesus, you know, went and preached to dead people who died in the time of Noah in in that time in between when he died and was risen again on the third day. One person said something which I read yesterday, which I thought is actually quite good. He said, actually, the spirit of Jesus was preaching to those disobedient people through Noah for a hundred years. And that's quite a good way of looking at it because it's not complicated or weird. It's perfectly in line with the scripture. And so as Noah was preaching, the Holy Spirit, who we've already said, Peter's already told us is the spirit of Jesus. And he's the one who was speaking through the prophets. He was also speaking through Noah. And when they, these people were saved in the boat, it's like a picture of baptism. Well, it kind of is. So because it's to do with water, but they were 
bobbing along on the to top of the beautiful briny sea. Um, so they were saved through that process. But let's read on verse 21 about baptism. So baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body. So it's not about getting you in the water and washing you nice and clean and getting all the dirt off your body and then you're done. But it's as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities and powers having been subjected to him. So he's saying actually baptism is about being in the ark, which is Jesus and getting in that water and all the rest of it is like the the symbol is like we're, we're saying to God, actually, God, Jesus is my appeal. He's well, my conscience is contaminated with sin. But now because of Jesus, my conscience is made clean because of Jesus's death, because he suffered once for sins to bring me to God. My conscience is made clean and I'm getting baptized as a way of just sealing that deal. And saying, yes, Jesus, yes, God, Jesus is my my appeal and he's my saviour. He's the one I'm trusting in. He's the ark, if you like, that I'm in that keeps me safe in the time of God's judgment on the earth. And he said that. So as he wraps this little chapter up, he says, as, as um, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities and powers having been subjected to him. So like now Jesus is has ascended into heaven and he's literally the king of the universe. He's over everything. He's the greatest, every angelic power that seemed to be so much more powerful than human beings. All the kind of authorities that might exist within the cosmos that we don't particularly understand about angels, authorities and powers. Paul talks about similar beings like that. It seems that there, there's a there's like a whole array of spiritual beings within the cosmos that God has created, yet each one of those now is subjected to Jesus Christ himself. And so he's our Lord. He's the ark that we've gone into to be safe. God has shut the door and in this time of flood and judgment, whatever goes on on the face of the earth, we're safe and secure because we're in Jesus and everything has been subjected to him. Wow, that's a bit of a gallop, isn't it? So listen, have an amazing day, you guys, and God bless you. Let me pray for you. Lord, let your spirit rest on each one of us today, whatever we're doing. Give us that wisdom. Lord, help us to be these people who live with gentleness and respect and hold out that that living hope to the people around us. Let, let it not be a secret that we're yours. And let us not drive people nuts by going on and badgering them. But Lord, let us be full of grace and wisdom as we speak and share. Lord, let our faces communicate the joy that you've put in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Have an amazing day, everyone. If you've enjoyed this podcast, that's brilliant. That's exactly what I hope for. Please do share it, like it, pass it on, get it out there. Thank you so much.
Have an amazing day.